From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians again. We've been in chapter 10 for the last uh, two or three weeks. And chapter 10, really, if we took all of chapter 10, it would just, sum, it, in summary, would, would have two simple points. One, Paul would say there's two relationships in your life that you need to pay attention to. The first relationship is the vertical relationship between you and God. You need to understand that when you gave your life to him, he took you seriously, and he expects and longs for and wants and is encouraging you to live devoted to him, to live solidarity towards him, to live in purity towards him. In fact, if you decide after giving your life to him that you're going to go chase idols and you're going to go chase sin patterns, it causes him jealousy, and he's going to stand to attention and say, don't do that. And he, Paul reminds us of some of Israel's history and how some of them did that, and they, went, they walked away from the Lord and it brought difficulty in their life. The second relationship Paul says in chapter 10 we got to focus on is not just man to God, but it's man to man. And Paul will share that the way we handle each other, the way we handle our, our preferences and our rights, that there should be this spirit of love to where we're honestly looking at the world around us with the question, what's best for them? Not, not, which is so contrary to our culture. Our culture really, if we, if we want to just reduce it down to a simple question, a, a lot of people are focusing on what's best for them. We're not looking at what's best for others. And so this otherliness is something that Paul will will bring to light in chapter 10. The beginning of chapter 11, there's a single verse I want to deal with this morning because it, it sits like a hinge point between the content of 10 and the rest of 11. And it's just one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. I think it's one of the strongest ideas that Paul shares. It's one of the most challenging ideas personally for me. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, And you should follow my example just as I follow Christ's. You should follow my example just as I follow Christ's. Now he's speaking to this young Corinthian church. He's talking to them about the way they are to serve God, the way they are to serve each other, the way they are to love the Lord, the way they are to love each other. And then he stops and pushes pause and says, And I want you guys to follow my example just as I follow Christ's. This word follow here, for follow my example, the word in the Greek means to imitate or to mimic. We would refer to, maybe a a word picture that helps us is if we consider our shadow. My shadow right now as I walk along the stage, it's doing everything I'm doing. It, It doesn't have an ability outside of me. And really this is Paul's idea. He's saying to them, I want you to use my life as an example that you will mimic and imitate. I want you to consider the weight of that statement. Because what he's saying to them is, church, if you watch my life, and you watch the way I handle life, and you watch the way I go through the different aspects of life, the way I make decisions, the way I handle myself at work, the way I handle myself in conflict, if you watch the way I handle myself in recreation, if you watch the way I handle myself towards Jesus, if you just study me, I promise you'll end up where you're supposed to be. At first listen, we're like, wow. Dude was super proud of himself. It's an incredible statement, the invitation of accountability that Paul's bringing. Because what he's saying is, is go ahead, inspect me, look at me, and follow me. How many right now would be very uncomfortable if that was the standard I expected you to live in this moment? Don't, I, honest. For me to stand up and say, follow me as I follow Christ. 
as I say it, I'm like, there's this conviction that hits because I'm like, I don't know that I'm there yet. What's it like in our, in our marriages? Men, we talk about headship because the scripture says that, that man is the head of wife and, and, and God is the head of Christ. What's it look like for me as a man to be able to say to my wife, hey, follow me the way I follow Jesus and I promise you'll end up where you're supposed to be. And my wife's answer would be like, oh yeah, really? <laughs> Dads, what's it like to say that to our kids? Friends, in a friendship circle, Colorado State University, you're walking around campus, what's it like to look at everybody around you and say, hey, just follow me the way I'm following Jesus and you'll get where you're supposed to be. Think about the weight of that statement. And Paul declares that, that he has a confidence in how he lives that's so strong that he sees it as the right way for other people to live. He's so confident in how he's living. He had a method to life that made him confident, so confident about his future. Think about it. He's willing to say to everybody around him, I want you to watch me. I don't even know what's coming, but watch me. I'll handle it right. What would it be like to be able to say that? What would it be like to discover Paul's method? What method did you have in life that made you so confident that you could without fear say to the world around you, hey, you can watch my life and I'll lead you to Jesus. I think it comes down to the reality Paul was convinced that he had, he had grabbed onto a set of skills and a set of tools that made that possible. And there's hidden in this phrase, Paul kind of reveals his secret. He says, and you should follow my example just as I follow Christ's. This phrase, just as I follow Christ's. Paul wasn't trying to figure life out, church. Paul wasn't waking up every morning and going, hope this works. No, Paul said, I'm actually, I'm actually living from someplace. I'm following Jesus. I invite you to follow me because I'm following him. This word, just as I, in the Greek, the word phrase means in the same fashion, in the same likeness. It's associated to this imitation. Paul says, look, I'm taking all my cues from Jesus. I'm imitating him. I'm modeling his life. How many ever wore one of those cool bracelets that had four letters on it? And it's, it's, it's gone the way in our culture of like the word sale and things that just they kind of lose their value because they, they become so commercialized that we, we lose track of what, it was, what those words meant. How many remember what the letters were? Come on, one more time. Yeah, WWJD. The phrase was, what would Jesus do? And it became something that we were, it was just so easy to roll off the tongue that we kind of lost the purpose of it. But Paul's statement here is very akin to this idea. He says, I'm living with a question on my life. In every situation, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus handle this moment? How would Jesus face this? How would he get through life? And I would maybe rephrase it a little bit that Paul would say it this way. No matter what I face, I'm learning from Jesus how to go through it. Why is that important? Because a lot of us believe that there's, it's just on us to figure it out. And Paul literally says, I'm not figuring anything out. I'm just following his example. 
For me, that is so freeing because now I don't have this sense of expectation or this, this monkey on my back that says, no matter what I face, I gotta know the right kingdom answer. I gotta know how to figure it. No, I just have to know how to live in relationship with him so I know how to ask the one who has the answers when I get there. And I have to be committed to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow Jesus. What he says is, I learned from Jesus. Now, in our culture, the choice to follow Jesus doesn't come with the same sacrifice it did for them. For a guy like Paul, Paul had 13 years of, of legal study under his belt, like graduate work legal study. Paul was on his way in Rome because he was Roman and Jewish. Paul was a, a likely candidate to be a liaison in Rome. Because he was a true son of Rome. If you remember in Romans, we hear him talk about, am I not a true son of Rome? Because he had a Roman parent. So he's on his way into a position, a job, a world within the Senate, within the, the legal system there, where he would have probably been one who could speak with authority into the Jewish culture, but stand as a Roman. So he would have been useful to the Roman Empire because he could have helped them bridge that gap. Paul's raised with and, and, and he, he's top of his class all the way through. He's the guy that everybody is watching. And he meets Jesus, and the story goes that Jesus encounters him and knocks him off his donkey. And then he disappears for a while, and Jesus just single-handedly begins to reteach him the kingdom, because Paul had studied the Jewish way and knew it really well. But I want you to consider that he left behind his entire life to follow the king. And so, because Paul abandons his whole life to follow Jesus... That kind of sacrifice causes Paul to say it this way. Look, I gave everything for you, so you're going to have to show me how to live. So he starts to investigate Jesus. He starts to study Jesus. He starts to pay attention to how Jesus lived. Could I suggest to us that this is still the right way to live? To investigate Jesus' life and learn from it and apply it to our life? Could I suggest to us that this is the heavenly pattern that is longed for? This is the thing that's in the heart of the Father for each of us? That we've surrendered our individual freedoms to the point where we're, we've let go of any idea of, I'm going to choose my own adventure, and we've realized I'm no longer choosing my own adventure because I came and gave my life to Him, and I've been bought with a price, and so now what's on my life is to glorify Him, and the only way I know how to glorify Him is to live in enough relational context with Him where He becomes my example. If I go back to this first phrase, follow me as I follow Christ, I actually believe that Paul expects us to be able to say that to the world around us. I believe that the expectation in the scriptures is that I can say to those around me, go ahead and follow me the way I follow Jesus. Instantly, the, the lump forms in my throat because I realize that accountability is going to cause me to have to focus on my life and be diligent and disciplined to realize could I just tell you this? Somebody's watching your life. Somebody is trying to learn about Jesus through you. How many have had somebody tell you, don't, don't learn what I do, learn, from, you know, learn what not to do from me? See, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be an example. And so, are there patterns in the life of Jesus that Paul's following? That's my question. 
If Paul's saying, I'm learning from Jesus, I've inspected him, and I think there were, I think there were four simple things that Jesus did in his life, and I want us to catch these. In fact, I want to reframe it and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's jump to where, what Paul's following in Jesus, because what he's really saying is, because I'm using these patterns that Jesus had in his life, you can trust me and follow mine. So that means you and I can say, if I put these patterns into practice, you can follow my life. I can say to my sons here in the front row, these patterns are in me. I want you to follow them and use them. They'll lead you to health. Dads, what would that be like as a father to stand in confidence and know I have established in front of you an understanding of what it looks like to chase the king so much so that you can mirror my life and you'll be okay? Has anyone ever had your kids do something that you wish they hadn't learned from you? Where you realize, you see it and you recognize, oh, that came from me, that's bad. My oldest drives the way I drive. It's a problem. I grew up competitive, so driving is a race. I don't know who I'm trying to beat. I'm just trying to beat somebody. I don't even know what the prize is. I just want to win. And he has inherited this unique skill set from me. So now his mother's terrified of two people in the family when they drive. You see, I lived an example in front of him, and I, I, was, I was naive enough to believe that, that he would probably, in his wisdom, pay attention to the rules of the road instead of the stupidity of his father. Well, so let's put this back in a, po- in a positive light. Can you and I learn from Jesus some patterns? I think so. Let me talk to you about them. Luke 5.16 says this, that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. First pattern we see in Jesus' life. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So the first movement in our life to follow the pattern of Jesus is we must become people that understand the power of a systematic daily encounter with God. Can it be said of you and I that we often remove ourselves to the wilderness for prayer? The word often here means habitual regular pattern. The idea of withdrew in the Greek, it's a word that means to pull away from people and to abide in aloneness. What it means is I can't in the middle of traffic in my car call, my, call that my prayer time because my mind is being consumed with other things. I can't while I'm cooking in the kitchen go, oh, yeah, I'm just praying. No, I need to get alone and discipline myself to be in a still, quiet place where the Lord can speak to me. I don't have time for that. Yes, you do. Do you not trust God to provide for you if you prioritize the kingdom first? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else gets added to you? To say I don't have time is to say my father is ill-equipped to provide for me if I put into practice what he wants from me. He's a harsh father. So he wants me to choose between prayer or finance. That's a lie. He's a good father. He's faithful to provide. If we learn to prioritize the kingdom, he adds everything else to us. But you see, in our culture, we want to prioritize work and we want to prioritize the things that matter to us in hopes that we can somehow come back in arrears and make it up. The humility of soul says, first priority is kingdom, and then he takes care of me. Jesus often withdraws to the wilderness to pray. I would say it this way. The first pattern of Jesus is that he lived connected. He lived connected to the Father. Jesus lived connected to heaven. He understood Think about the weight of this idea. 
if Jesus, being fully God and fully man, had a pattern that said, I will often withdraw to the wilderness to pray because I won't do this thing well on earth if I don't have a connection to the Father, where in the world do we come up with the idea that we cannot do that and succeed? Doesn't humility call me to pattern my life after the one whose name I've taken? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. His example is my pattern. So the first thing we see in his life is he lived connected. He made time to pray. You say, well, what is prayer? I don't understand it. Prayer is simple, church. The word prayer in the Greek means upturned face. It's the idea of dropping all of our baggage, dropping all of our facades, and just sitting with God and saying, I need you to know me, and I need to know you. I have a really simple pattern that I teach people. I think if you're like me, you sometimes can hear stuff and you can't tell if you're kooky and you're wackadoo. So it's easier if you just write it down. So I just have a written journal where I just talk to the Lord. I write down my prayers. I write down what he says. It's mine. It doesn't belong to you. You can't read it. So it's safe. But you need to develop this idea where you're having a conversation with the Lord and you're capturing the word of the Lord. The only reason I say do that, the Lord was very clear with me. I want you to teach people to pray this way because it gives a context for you to hear. And the moment you put pen to paper or fingers on the keyboard and you write what, down what you heard, you are making a faith declaration, I just heard God. Ponder on that one for a minute. I didn't drop the mic, that was somebody else. The second thing we see, the second pattern in Jesus' life is kind of hidden, it's hard to find. But I would say Jesus lived informed. You say, what do you mean? If we study the New Testament, just the Gospels, over 45 times, Jesus will quote Scripture. Over 45 times, he will quote the text, the historical text, the Word of God. So what that tells me is that Jesus wasn't just a guy that would go get alone to pray, but he was also a guy that understood how to, how to study the Scriptures and how to let them dwell in him. And David will say it this way, I hide the Word of God in my heart so I don't sin against you. Which means there's a supernatural authority on the study of the text and digesting the scriptures and letting them get inside of us. It's not about being a good believer. It's about having the word of God in us so the supernatural authority of heaven is in us. And So some of us are dealing with sin patterns or we're dealing with lifestyle issues. And it's because we've never let the word of God dwell in us enough that it starts to change us. See, that's what happens. If you feast on scripture, it shifts you and it shapes you and it changes you from the inside out. And parts of you that you don't like and you don't know how to fix start to shift and change because the word of God's in you. I don't have time. We already, we already hit this idea. You have time. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest gets added to you. Anybody ever had a bad habit? Fair. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> what happens if we just decided for three weeks, 21 days, is what it takes to create a personal habit? That's most psychologists will say it takes three weeks of repetition and you create a habit. What happens if for three weeks, whatever said bad habit is, I'll decide for three weeks, I can be disciplined for three weeks. Whenever I want to do said habit, I'll just trade that time out for right, reading the Bible. I'm just going to try it. I'm going to see if this God thing really works. And I spend that time that I would commit to that bad habit instead committing it to the scriptures. Now that bad habit can be games on your iPhone. That bad habit could be drugs. It, it, you, the gamut is wide. 
But what happens if I have the passion in me to say, I'm going to do something about this, and I'm going to sit with the Lord and just, I'm going to feed myself with health instead. You see, because Jesus lives an informed life. In fact, if we go to Luke 4 in the wilderness, Jesus is being tempted by the devil. And he never actually uses his own words. He only quotes scripture to the enemy. Which tells me, if Jesus used the scripture to defeat the enemy, what am I going to need to use to defeat the enemy in my life? I cannot embrace a standard in my life that he doesn't uphold. If he thinks the scriptures are necessary, then I need to think they're necessary. Third thing, simple. Mark 10 says this. One of the, the, the third pattern of Jesus, the third method of Jesus, we want to call it that way. Mark 10, 45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus lived to serve. Jesus lived connected. He lived informed. He's connected to heaven. He's spending time hearing God's voice daily, spending time in the scriptures, letting it dwell richly. And then he lives with this third agenda, which is to realize my life on this earth is not for me. It's for the world around me. So he has an agenda, not to draw serving into himself, but to serve others. If there was anybody on earth that had the right to say you should serve me, it was Jesus. He's the only one that's ever walked that was perfect. And it says, he out of his own mouth says, I I didn't come for that purpose, I came to serve. So it tells me there's a supernatural principle in serving that brings strength of soul to me. It actually helps me in my journey through life. When I learn to serve, I'm partnering with heaven to give my life away. I'm following the example of the king, and I'm finding strength over sin. You see, some of us, we know all the right things to say. We've been in church for a long time, but we've yet to put into action this selfless serving that Jesus models. And then the fourth pattern that I see in Jesus' life, that if we could put it into ours, would, would revolutionize our life. It's John 5, 19. It says this. Just catch, just think about what Jesus is. Let me set it up. Jesus is saying, this is how I live my life. There's this thing that I do. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus says, the Son does nothing on his own, of his own volition, of his own choice. Instead, the Son has chosen to let the Father call the shots for his life. If you look at John 12, Jesus will go on and say, it doesn't just deal with my actions. I don't even speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. I would say that Jesus lived with an intentionality to let the government of heaven control him. That's just so countercultural to us. You know this phrase that we talk about a lot? on earth as it is in heaven. It's one of the things Jesus taught us to pray, correct? What happens if on earth as it is in heaven looks as simple as this? In everything I do and everything I face, I look to heaven to find out what heaven wants me to do and I bring that decision into earth. And so I'm living the kingdom in these microscopic moments every day where I'm allowing heaven to dictate my journey. I'm allowing the Father, you really, every day, 
It's not that hard. God speaks. Proverbs says, tune your ears to wisdom, which means he's speaking all the time. The issue is, am I listening? I'm never in a place where he's not going to answer. What would it look like, husbands and wives, if you fight, maybe you don't, but what would it look like in the midst of, of an argument or, you know, a, a disagreement, instead of mouthing what was in your heart, you just stopped and just asked the Lord quietly, what do you want me to say right now? If you're like me, you find that when you do that, it's rarely what you were going to say. What's it look like if at work, when somebody really gets under my skin, and instead of just deciding to take my moment and react and be visceral like I want to be, I just quiet my soul for a second and just ask, Father, what do you want me to say? That's ridiculous. No, it's not. It's called discipline. The government of the kingdom in my life at such a level that I have relinquished myself from the freedom to live. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. With this life I live, I do not live according to the flesh. I live it according to every word that comes out of his mouth. That's Galatians. You see, the idea where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, what his hope is, is that they will look at his life and see this dude's following Jesus. I can follow Jesus too. I can use Jesus' pattern in my own life. I can pull these things back into my journey. I can live connected. I can pray. I have access to the Lord every day. I can live informed. I have the scripture. Can you consider we live in an age where we all have the scriptures and there has rarely been a season in the church where the scripture was this available to the church? Think about 100 AD, a little post-Jesus, and they're all jealously guarding these letters and passing them around because that's what they have. They're trying to make it. We have this phenomenal opportunity. That moment when I feel self rising, all I got to do is just dig in and start serving others, and I start partnering with Jesus in that journey. But the most important piece for me in his pattern is that I have to relinquish the right to navigate life the way I want to. And I'm handing that over to him and saying, I want you to lead me. Let's stand this morning. I think that phrase on earth as it is in heaven, I love it, love it in all of its variations. But I really think the revelation for me this week is that was intended to be a guideline for everyday living. That in every situation I can ask the question, what's heaven have to say about this one? What's your model, Lord? What do you want? Father, we stand before you today and we are grateful for your love and your mercy. Thanks for the gift of your presence and worship. Wow. And we want uh, to be the people that can say to those around us, go ahead and follow me the way I follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you this week remind us of these four simple things? Call us away to come get alone and pray. Put a, a fresh hunger in the scriptures. Lord, would you sh help us put our foot on selfishness and just serve? And Lord, in every moment of doubt, Give us the ability to hear your voice on what to do and what to say. We love you and we honor you. May your face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.